Hello and welcome to episode number four of the G Pod. Today is Wednesday, January 31st, 2018. I'm going to be your host today. My name is Conrad Chow, and here with me is my co host, Josue Zedro. Josue, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. We haven't uh, been on uh, a pod for a while, so I'm excited to, to talk some G League stuff. Yeah, same as well. We last recorded in December, and it's great to be back. So why don't we just jump right into our outline for tonight. Uh, we're going to discuss, uh, Josue, your trip to Erie. You watched the Erie Lakeland game. Uh, we're going to update the play, uh, give an update on the playoff race. We're going to highlight some 10-day contracts. And finally, Josue, you had uh, Jordan Matthews of, of uh, Erie hop onto the G-Pod. We're going to end with that. How does that sound? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, really interesting conversation. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. Awesome. So, uh, Josue, you were at the Erie game. Uh, the final score, Erie 110, Lakeland 98. Uh, this was your first Erie game. Talk a bit about the experience, the atmosphere of the arena. Yeah, it was um, an interesting experience uh, for sure. I had um, the chance to travel. This game was uh, Sunday, so a couple, uh, three days ago, uh, and uh, we had um, we had a, an interesting matchup, uh, division um, rivals, and that game was uh, for the lead in the division. So um, we thought at at C to C that it would be a, a good uh, opportunity to uh, check in some uh, interesting uh, G League action. Um, the arena was was great. It's a, a little smaller. Um, it's more more of an intimate feeling. Um, the the uh, promotion and the mascot was uh, was entertaining. He he had the, the a shirt gun that I thought reached a little further than some that I've seen, uh, which for a G League game was is uh, very interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, the game operations was lively. It was uh, it was a good crowd, so I enjoyed my experience. Yeah. Um... You mentioned to me that uh, the attendance is generally uh, the same for uh, games we've seen at the Raptors 905 at the Hershey Center uh, compared to uh, this Erie game. Am I correct? Yeah, no, about it's about the same. You know, we're looking at uh, a thousand, two thousand um, people uh, for an, for an average matchup. So um, saw a lot of families. Um, you know, obviously it's a Sunday, so uh, it makes for a nice family outing. For sure. So like you said, uh, tight playoff race in the division, Erie right now 17-16 and 16 record and Lakeland with a 16-15 win-loss record. Uh, talk a bit about uh, the flow of the game. What did you see, uh, kind of the game story behind it all? Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, we mentioned that it was a, a matchup for the lead of the division. Two teams that are actually quite evenly matched in their fundamentals. Um, if we want to take a second, just highlight some uh, key stats here. Uh, Erie is has the 16th best offense in the league and the 20th defense uh, and the 13th best net rating, which is um, usually a, a good indicator of the quality uh, of the team and their season so far. And uh, for uh, Lakeland right now, they are 21st in offense, uh, 23rd in defense uh, for the 15th best net rating. And we mentioned that their record are you know, slightly above 500, and their net rating is right in line uh, with uh, with their record. So it's not like 
their performance has not been reflected in their win-loss record. It's, in fact, a, a very good uh, reflection. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you talked to the coaching staff, and uh, they mentioned uh, the huge amount of depth on their team. Two two-way guys and two assignees from the Hawks. Uh, the two ways are Andrew White and Josh Majet, and the two assignees are Isaiah Taylor and Tyler Cavanaugh, which we actually discussed earlier in the last podcast. Who stood out for you in this game of of those four guys? Um, uh, Kavanaugh was very uh, important um, in the second half uh, to the Bayhawks, uh, not only stretching the lead but kind of going for the kill shot early in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we kind of know what he does is a, a forward that stretches the floor and provides some um, horizontal spacing uh, with his three-point shooting, and he was uh, quite efficient at that. Uh, I thought Andrew White, uh, when he got in transition, uh, displayed his athleticism, especially uh, slashing uh, to the rim. And uh, it was interesting because McJets uh, uh, didn't, uh, did not start uh, for this game. Uh, as he had uh, just shuttled uh, back and forth uh, with uh, Atlanta over the week, uh, but he was at the uh, in the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, that kind of helped the Bayhawks pull away uh, in the, in a key stretch where I believe they went on a 12-2 run. That kind of put Lakeland out of it at the beginning of the uh, fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Majette had uh, 13 points, 13 assists in 24 minutes off the bench, as you said. Uh, personally, for me, I think he's really quick guard. Um, just makes the right plays, right pass uh, coming down in tra- transition, whether it's the, the first pass up or um, a lob over for the big off of a pick and roll. Turning well, strikes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what strikes me with him is that he's always under control. I mean, it's, it seems like even with uh, more athletic defenders, it's really tough to, to speed him up. And I think that's a quality that really benefits him uh, at this level. Absolutely. Uh, we saw the same thing when he was with uh, the then uh, LA defenders uh, years a couple years ago too. So uh, just to see him kind of continue being consistent uh, really shows to... Uh, various league personnel that he's a guy who can uh, handle playmaking duties. So I just wanted to uh, turn over to the Lakeland side and ask what you see from them, any specific players or plays. Uh, yes, I, throughout the game, they kind of struggled in transition defense. And it wasn't so much that their defense wasn't good, is that whenever they would have turnovers, it was always top of the key or in the passing lane where it would lead to quote-unquote pick sixes. So those those are what I call uh, turnovers that lead directly into points, where it's a two-on-0 or a three-on-one. Um, and uh, it's not that they were necessarily bad turnovers, it's that the location of the turnover on the floor, especially towards the second half uh, for a team that wasn't uh, necessarily uh, completely undermanned, but just looking over at the other side where you have two guys are on two-way contracts and two guys that were assigned, I think the depth just and took over the more the game would, would advance. Yeah, for sure. Um, any uh, kind of plays stand out for you? Any type of sets they ran? 
that's a great question and I just lost my spot that I had this ready and ready to go. I mean, I thought it one interesting play. I'll start with the Erie actually. Uh, one interesting play I thought that happened uh, at the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, Coach Langford, so Erie got a stop and uh, they basically were, I think they were hand, uh, uh, transitioning over to a three on two uh, with pace. And Coach Langford called a timeout, like, and I, I could tell his team didn't expect it. And so at the time, I thought, hmm, I, I wonder about this. I, I, I don't see that too, too often um, in that situation. And the play that he drew got a wide-open layup by Isaiah Taylor. And oh, wow. I thought that was interesting because that, that kind of – it didn't initially break Lake Lane's back, but it wasn't uh, – It was the, the, I don't think the defensive set was probably executed in, in reaction to it. And so that got uh, Erie two important points at a time where Lake Lang was kind of hanging around uh, midway through the fourth. Yeah, that's a, that's an that's amazing. Uh, sorry, midway through the third. I, my bad. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great drop. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about this experience? Uh, for our listeners, uh, we're definitely going to be back for another Erie game. It'll be nice to uh, check in with them again come next month when. Uh, the playoff uh, playoff race is going to start heating up again. I mean, hey, we we forgot to talk about my man, uh, John Petrucelli. Oh no way! Yeah, go right on ahead. Uh. Yeah, guys, uh, John Petrucelli, a uh, 6'4", uh, 190 uh, pounds guy out of Malloy in uh, Division Two. Uh, he's a guard, a, co- a point guard, but basically play combo guard in this game. Uh, he's uh, turning twenty six this year. Uh, played in Slovakia in the past, um, also played in Erie in 2016-17. Uh, uh, I thought he stood out because basically he's the type of player coaches love to coach. Uh, he's pesky. He was intense throughout the game. Uh, whenever uh, the staff would ask him uh, to uh, get, in the, um, get in the opponent's face, and we're talking obviously for Lakeland, um, would ask him to get uh, – you know, really close up and, and, and deny or, or ball pressure at the top. Uh, he was really locked in. Uh, offensively, he's extremely smart. His cutting was really impressive. Like, it wasn't even out of set that he would find himself a wide open under the basket uh, for layups, just simply by recognizing space and, and awareness. And as soon as his defender would have his head turned, he cut the other way uh, for open uh, looks. I also thought um, there were times where his activity on the defensive end and being in the passing lane led to open runouts. And that was really early in the game where Lakeland was kind of try, trying to, to find a win in the first quarter. And he came up with a quick six points just off the deflections, activity, um, you know, gumming up spacing for Erie. And you could see the bench that it really it generates some energy uh, for his team. And finally, his jump shot is improving. Um, he wasn't particularly a, a great shooter at the lower levels, but just watching him for my first time and, and seeing him live, like I thought the mechanics were pretty fluid. Um, I, I, there's not really a hitch in the jump shot so much. Um, he gets good elevation in, in terms of stability and, and getting his legs involved. And, um, and yeah, he's, I think he's definitely somebody to, to keep an eye on. A, a great find by the... Uh, the Lakeland uh, management staff. 
Uh, of, of course, yeah. Uh, to give uh, our listeners some context, uh, Petrocelli is in his second season in the G League last year with Erie as Erie moved to Lakeland. And uh, across uh, multiple statistics, he's made improvements. Uh, last year shooting 44.4% from the field and now shooting 52.9% from the field. Uh, a small increase in the three-point percentage from 32 to 34 uh, a huge increase from uh, free throws, 73 to 88. And also just uh, all around, like you said, uh, uh, trying to improve on his shot, uh, making sure that uh, you know he's getting the right shots. Uh, that's a huge thing as uh, he paced uh, Lakeland with 19 points, 7 of 10 shooting, uh, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals in the loss to Erie, although... Uh, you know, pretty competitive game for the most part. Yeah, I thought he was basically their best player throughout. Um, like I said, came in from first quarter, gave some team some energy, and uh, that led to uh, to more playing time and involvement throughout the game. Okay, so uh, turning over to the next segment of uh, the podcast, we want to just uh, talk about the, the current playoff race. Uh, right now, uh, the Westchester Knicks, with a record of 23 wins, 12 losses, are at the top of the Eastern Conference. And then we also have uh, the Austin Spurs, one of the hottest teams in the league, on a six-game winning streak with a record of 21 wins and 12 losses. Josue, uh, any teams kind of uh, stand out to you right now in terms of uh, the moves they've made uh, recently? Well, there's a there's a couple aspects to it. First of all, I think we should highlight uh, the playoff format. And for those who don't know, uh, the division winners are first seeded. It's a six-team a uh, playoff per conference. And so the top uh, of each division is seeded along with three uh, basically wild cards. And then after that, it's uh, the first, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, two rounds or single-game elimination. Uh, sorry, first three rounds or single game elimination all the way to the finals where that's a, a two out of three set. And so uh, right now, like you mentioned, uh, the Westchester Knicks are on top of the uh, of the Eastern Conference and they are followed by uh, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants leading the Central Division. Uh, the uh, Now, the uh, after this game, uh, Erie uh, Bayhawks, uh, we're leading the division on, on Sunday, uh, but uh, with uh, just the, the the games in hand, uh, Lakeland uh, has uh, passed them back since since then, as we're recording on a Wednesday. Uh, and then the three following teams would be uh, the Raptors 905, uh, the Long Island Nets, and uh, the Erie Bayhawks, the Erie Bayhawks, as uh, as mentioned. So that's for the Eastern Conference. In that conference, I want to highlight. I mean, this might sound like. Uh, uh, because I'm based here, but really I think the job the Raptors 905 have done is, is kind of incredible. I mean, you and I were talking uh, early in the season and just looking at the roster turnover and uh, the amount of guys that were either hurt or had signed overseas, uh, their streak that they were on where they were basically seven games under 500 to now being six games over 500. Um, I understand they had a tough loss to Westchester today, but um, I think the group is starting to come together, and I think it's somebody to—it's a team to have an eye out, an eye on, uh, moving forward. 
Yeah, uh, it's a testament to uh, the management, top-down, bottom-up, from management to coaching to the players and how they've been able to integrate new guys and uh, really come back to that culture, uh, next man up, which um, Coach Jerry Stackhouse has discussed a lot. Because last year, you know, uh, you lose guys like uh, Eddie Tavares, uh, one of the best rim-protecting bigs in the G League last year, and also Axel Tupon, two, two-way type of player. That's huge, right? Yeah, yeah along with Brady Heslip, which was instant scoring. Um, and they ran a lot of their offense through him and the gravity that he brought um, running around screens. So um, how they've revamped and kind of you, you can see the team gelling is, is really good. I do want to highlight how uh, the Long Island Nets also have done, uh, especially after losing Milton Doyle uh, to a two-way contract and so that he's up with the Nets a bit more. Um, they, I remember watching him in the first few games of the year, and I, I was wondering, man, how – how are they going to you know, sustain offense, uh, especially when he's not on? And they've done a great job and um, are now standing at, sitting at 18-14. So in the Eastern Conference, I think those are the two, two teams that I would like to highlight. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on to the next section, uh, I want to just ask you, what do you think of the whole 1-1-1 uh, one, one one best out of three uh, G League Finals playoff format? Are you uh, in favor of it, neutral? Do you want more games? Um, I understand uh, why it's, it's setting up as much. Um, I, th- I think just the, in terms of the cost of... Um, of host, not, sorry, not the cost, but the revenue generated by hosting playoff games, I believe some organizations might not have deemed it uh, worth it. I also understand that it, in a way, it might generate more interest where that every game matters. And so, uh, you know, big, I, I would expect some big league clubs that, you know, want to um, attract some attention would assign some of their guys and their two ways at that time uh, for the teams to be really competitive and have a chance to go further in the playoffs. Personally, you know me, the more basketball I get to watch, the better it is. But at the same time, it might be interesting to have games that matter every night all the way to the finals. Yeah, a case can be made for both ways, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on uh, having more games just because uh, how I see it is you have one home, one away, uh, potentially one more home, but that's... Uh, still a question mark depending on how close the series is and it would be nice to get a kind of bigger sample size of uh, the competitiveness of uh, the teams but as you said before you know uh, every game matters so uh, you can't kind of uh, coast sorry pun intended on any game well done. I like that one. That's a, that's a good. Uh, that's a that's a good one. Uh, before um, we move on, we would be uh, mistaken if we didn't highlight the Western Conference. Uh, right now, uh, we have, like you said, Austin leading the entire conference, uh, followed uh, in playoff seating by the South Bay Lakers in the Pacific Division, and then the Iowa Wolves leading the Midwest Division. Uh, for spots four, five, six, right now we would have. At the first, the Texas Legends in fourth, uh, the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers in fifth, and uh, right now I would have the Reno Bighorns um, sitting in uh, the last playoff spot. So uh, one of the things, I mean, you talked about that Austin's on a six-game winning streak. 
I think the Texas Legends, with the loss of Justin Detman for the season, um, to be uh, to really have stepped up their uh, their play over the last uh, basically since the showcase. And Jonathan Motley has been great for them. Um, I, I think that's definitely somebody a, a team to to keep an eye on. And I'm interested personally to see how the uh, Agua Caliente Clippers uh, react with Tyrone Wallace uh, being uh, called up in a, uh, in a larger role with the Clippers. Um, and uh, to see how they, they react because they have some guys that are not necessarily as good right now but play the similar style. Guys like uh, Ike Rebu, uh, also a Trey Baker. So... I'm interested to see if the staff can uh, continue developing uh, some of the, those players that are kind of slashers and rim attackers. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the Agua Caliente uh, Clippers. Um, there's a great article uh, today by uh, Ben Golliver of uh, uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, you might have seen this one today about how uh, the NBA's new two-way contracts have been a huge role for the Clippers uh, who dealt with so many injuries early on this season and, and the need to kind of uh, bring guys in, fill in fill in immediately and really figure out uh, the logistics of handling how they can maximize uh, the amount of days on the two-way guys. Yeah, I, I did uh, see the article. I haven't had a chance to, to read it through it, but uh, is uh, a great read, and so I think that people should definitely uh, check it out. Of course. So uh, let's move on to uh, our next segment, uh, 10-day guys. Right now, there's only two guys who are on uh, 10-day contracts currently. Uh, Larry Drew the second with the Sixers and Kyle Collingsworth with the Mavericks. Uh, Joe's way, have you kind of seen uh, both of you guys, both of any of these guys uh, kind of play, uh, whether it be uh, in the showcase or uh, on uh, broadcasts? I mean, we've highlighted Collingsworth before in our pod, um, discussing his uh, his pure, simply his basketball ability. Uh, I, I often like to call uh, the passing, dribbling, shooting simply the ability to play basketball. And um, even though he's not the most athletic uh, player, he does all three of those things uh, quite well. Um, and you know, having been in the uh, Mavericks organization for some time. I don't really think it makes sense, especially in a, a, a re, I don't want to use the word rebuild, but in a in a tougher uh, setting right now where uh, they're not most likely more likely not not going to make the playoffs. I think it makes sense for them to give the uh, to give him a look. And for Larry Drew, well, the Sixers right now are looking for some uh, guard depth. Um, you know, with Markel Fultz's situation being uncertain and uh, Jared Bayless struggling a little bit. Um, I think. Um, you know, if they can find solutions on on, uh, on quote unquote on the cheap, where a ten day contract like Larry Drew takes place, um, I think they're open to that. I I think we do need to highlight. Unfortunately, Larry has uh, had a bit of a tough time net rating wise, but um, you know we'll definitely continue to to monitor that. Yeah. So Kyle's Kyle Collingsworth uh, second day ten day contract is going to expire this weekend. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. What Dallas will do with this? Uh, my, I think they're mostly gonna let his contract ex- expire, kind of keep the roster open until the trade deadline. See if they can uh, yeah. use that spot if need be, right? I think the Celtics did that with uh, Jamil. Uh, sorry, with um, Gerald Martin as well, um, where 
Sorry, Jerome. Jerome Eddy, yeah. I said Jerome Martin, but sorry. I, I, yeah. I was thinking of one and I pictured the other. Um, yeah, they did the same where, you know, ahead of the, the trade deadline, uh, guy, uh, teams are looking for uh, flexibility and just not wanting to close any doors ahead of time. So um, I expect, quite frankly, for both those guys, I think that's what will happen. And then, you know, after the trade deadline, uh, some teams might uh, might either sign them again to another 10 day if they can or, um, you know, yeah, convert some two ways or, or just have some, some roster activity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also, also want to highlight uh, some of the key stats for uh, Collingsworth uh, during this uh, two ten day contract period. On uh, the twenty second uh, against Washington, he had four points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals on a two of two shooting in nineteen minutes against uh, the Wizards in that win. And then also on uh, the twenty seventh. Uh, couple days ago he dropped seven points five rebounds two assists one steals on perfect three of three shooting again so like you said before uh really highlights uh a guy who can uh just play, just play basketball. basketball right exactly no he just plays man he just plays all right so uh we have a special uh guest on today for uh the g-pod uh jordan matthews of uh erie bayhawks who played uh, with the Gonzaga basketball team uh, a couple years uh, and earlier before at uh, UC Berkeley, Cal. Josue, how was uh, the convo with him? He was great. He was great. I, I had a feeling that he was, um, he'd be very open and, um, and just a great person to talk to. Um, just um, doing some research and, uh, kind of keeping my tabs on him uh, throughout his college career. And uh, he was that and even 10 times more. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this chat. And uh, we'll uh, catch you on the other side. Awesome. Welcome uh, to this um, new episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Josue Sedro, uh, your host, and I'm here with uh, Jordan Matthews of the uh, Erie Bayhawks. Uh, how are you doing? Not bad. How are you? Good, good. So uh, thanks again for, for coming on. I, we very much appreciate this. Of course. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. We uh, wanted to talk about uh, your career so far in college and the pros. Um, we wanted to start, we were talking ahead of this, about your brother at, at USC. Um, h- how is it having a younger sibling coming after you in, in college? What, what the, how do you feel about that? What, is it more stressing, less stressing than when you were playing yourself? It's interesting. I mean, uh, when I go home for All-Star break, I'll be able to see one of his games for the first time. Um, but, I mean, it's very, it's intriguing to see someone you grew up with play at a high level. And I know that people felt that way for me. So, like, I've, I've literally known him since the day he was born. So being able to watch him grow and develop in the player he is today is very special for me. What's the number one advice you give him uh, as he's going through his own journey? Just stay the course and be consistent in your work because there are a lot of things you can't control. But your chance is going to come. It's what you do when you get it. That's the main thing. That makes a, a ton of sense. Uh, what surprised you so far in your case in the transition to the pros as your, your first year in the professionals? The three line is far deeper. It's I thought just shooting it and workouts and stuff, I get used to it easier, but when you go game speed, it's a little harder. 
other than that, what about the, the speed of the game? The, do you feel like it is up to expectations? A little faster, a little it's, slower? It's, it's fast, but there's more space. Okay. So as long as you defend it with your reads, you'll be fine. But yeah, the speed and the, and the three line, definitely two things. I was uh, doing some research ahead of time, and uh, I, I was reading it to one of your old teammates, uh, Kyle Wilcher. Uh, he mentioned that when you come to, to training camp to fight for your life, to have the confidence that in your mind you're the best shooter in the gym right. when you walk in. Do you feel that way every game? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter like who I'm playing against. I feel like I'm the best shooter anywhere I go. Um, just just because of the work I put in and the times and the, the times I've I've done something special on the court. Um, but you're not going to shoot great every night. Like Michael Jordan shot 50% overall. Means he missed one out of two. Right. Shot five out of ten. So um, you just have to stick with it and have that confidence because. Like, what's the alternative? You're going to be like, oh, I think I'm pretty good. Like, no, you should have irrational confidence in your ability. So what do you feel? There's a, there's a lot of players in general that don't have that innate confidence in their skills, their shot, their abilities. So do you think that's something that you're born with, or can that be taught to players that don't have that natural yeah, swagger or confidence? I think it comes from just being in the gym. Okay. Like, Being in the gym frees you up, absolves you of all guilt or any doubt about your skills. Like, I've put the work in. It's like, I call it like going to the bank, right? I deposit money into my bank account. So when I want to withdraw from my game, I have what I've done in the past. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. It's, but it doesn't work. Like, you can't make a withdrawal if you haven't deposited anything. <laughs> exactly. So guys who don't have confidence, like, check your work. So... Mm-hmm. So it, it simply comes down to how much work have you put yeah, in? Yeah, and if it's the right work, like... Yeah, right, right, right. You can work on what you're good at every single day forever, and you'll be a one-dimensional player. But if you can diversify your game and become good at a couple things, then you really become dangerous. Let, let's go back over your time at, in, in college. Um, I want to hit uh, very uh, quick pointers. Um, first of all, give me one thing you learned from Coach Martin. One thing. How to be tough through uh, different situations, good and bad. Just how to have a level head through everything. What's one thing you learned from Coach Few? Family is everything. And what? How does that demonstrate itself? Like, how did you not think so before? And he changed. I mean, I thought I was going to be just a player at Gonzaga who spent a year there, but the way I was treated at Gonzaga, you wouldn't know that I I hadn't been there for three previous years. Like. Everybody there welcomed me like I'd been there my entire career, and it was a very special place, and I, I really, really, really enjoyed it there. So, What's one thing you've learned from Coach Langford? It's tough, I think, huh? Yeah, because, like, I've had such good coaches in the past. Exactly. That, that's why I wanted to bring this up, because right. we've, we've been around a lot of quality coaches right. in, in your career. Of my, and my dad is a coach, so it's As like, well, yeah, right, yeah. right. I'm trying to remember what's one thing he taught me. He hasn't really taught me anything, because okay. I, like, the stuff I've already known or have been taught before. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, you sent an article in the, the Mercury News last year. You guys played Northwestern in, yeah, in, in the round two. Yeah. And you said that was the game you had the most fun yeah. at the time. Is that still to this day? Because that no, was early no, no, in the no. tournament, yeah, yeah. right? So, the, so the they're looking back. The final four game against South Carolina and right. then the national championship game were two like, experiences where if I even think about it now, mm-hmm. I can't really process that I was in it and I played in that game. Like It doesn't really seem real right. because 
how many people get to play in front of 80,000 people twice? Right. Like, it, there were so many people there that, bro, I can't even, like, I can't, I still can't talk about it. I don't have words <laughs> for, for it. Yeah, I don't have words for it. Was it, so when you're walking in that stadium, right, you're, you're coming out the tunnel. Like, right. Not even talking in the game, just coming out of the tunnel. Like our first day there. Yeah, the yeah, first, yeah, yeah. So are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you all of the above? I mean, like, so we get there, right? We get there. Um, there's all this stuff for us. The hotel is decked out specifically for us. Right. So we're all excited. But then Kobe comes to our hotel uh, and gives us pairs of shoes before the game. Wow. So we're all, like, super hyped about that. But then we get up the next day and we drive out to the stadium and – they do a great job of hiding the court. Uh-huh. So we're doing all our video shoot stuff and everybody just wants to see the court, just wants to see it. And you go out there and it literally looks like a small island and then like everything <laughs> is out. Like there are birds flying around in there, like there's an echo and it's like, you know, it's You got bands playing, yeah. you got planes flying, the, yeah. the, the whole, the whole it, was, it was special, yeah, it was like, it was a special time. And like not many, many people get to go out knowing that like their college their last college game win or lose is like the final game of the college season right that, that is that is really special however in, in your case didn't end the well obviously the, that you wanted it because right. you know close game super tight came down last minute and right. last two or three possessions yeah um a lot of players have different approaches to hard losses like that. Some like to just forget it and move on. Some take it with them, and that's like the fuel that that fires them up for the rest of their careers. How do you approach an event like that? Like losing that championship? Yeah. I mean, there's no simulation for that because, like, that whole day, it's kind of like, okay, I, I, like at 10 p.m. tonight, I'm either going to be – a national runner-up, or I'm going to be a national champion. Like yep. it's, it's like, yeah, yep. like it's not like other NCAA tournament games you're going loose, like mm-hmm. you know, win or lose. Like I, try, no, no, this is the last one. So for that game, I think, I think I'll always remember it, and it'll always be painful. But like, I can still like, it's almost like I can remember very vividly everything that happened that entire day. I can remember the entire game. Like I'm like, I can see it. Like it, and it's. It's a special game for me, and even though we lost, I, I'll never forget it. The loss doesn't diminish that memory in in in, in, in Of course, in you, like you want to win, but if you look at the game, they made some plays down the stretch, and we didn't. And there was a call on the sideline. There was a controversial line. call, yeah. like like okay, 50, like 50, yeah, like a ref yeah, take, whatever. Yeah, yeah the yeah. ref take you like. Mm-hmm. I, there were some things in the game that went that if they go our way, we're holding the trophy. Right, but it went their way. So I mean, you go thirty-seven and two, losing the last minute national championship. You got to scrap that one and say we had a great year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about a couple of your ex-teammates. Um, Nigel William Goss is yeah. playing the uh, Adriatic League now. Yeah. Uh, does he? Do you guys still keep in touch? Does yeah, he I hit you to up Nigel with, like last week. Oh, last week. Did yeah. he hit you up with some stories from there? Because that's a whole different culture than than what's the NCAA. He does, but he loves it over there. He's the type mm-hmm. of guy who I knew would like really enjoy being abroad a lot okay. because like that's the kind of person he is. He likes to be out. And experience different things, so I, I think he really likes it over there. Um, like I talked to all the Gonzaga guys, and right. we're all at different points, and even guys in the G League like David Stockton. Yep, talked to him too. Um, Drew Barham on Maine, so I mean uh, it's one big family. But Nigel likes it over there. What's one thing he's um, either an advice or counsel or story that you you could you could learn from that he's that he's, he's taught? From Nigel? Yeah, Nigel. I mean we're both rookies, so it's just like 
staying the course, I just, guess. Right, yeah, yeah. Same, it comes down to what you said yeah, initially, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, what about uh, Zach Collins uh, in Portland? Yeah. Um, so um, he's in, with the big leagues, got drafted in the lottery as well. Uh, has his experience been a little different than in, in you guys talking? 100%. It's going to be different, but, you know, he, he likes it. I, I mean, from what I know about Zach, he's highly competitive, and he's starting to get on the floor more for them. Yep. Um, so he can do some really good things. It's just a matter of, uh, I think for him it's always going to be a matter of like finding what he does well because he plays so hard and he can shoot. He can do so many things. But rookie year is tough for everybody. Yeah. Like it's not a cakewalk for anyone. Mm -hmm. So there's an adjustment period, of course. Yeah. Right? Um, I want to wrap it up with a couple of questions. Um, I, myself, am a video coordinator with the AU team. Okay. And one of the things we do is that we have a lot of young players that it's their first time watching film of themselves. Like we break down film, excellence uh, from games and from practice at times, right. uh, trying to get them better. Yourself, when you were uh, growing uh, in your career in college and, and even you know, with your dad in, right. in, um, in uh, high school, when's the first time you started watching film? I was like 11. We played the Arizona Gym Rats in Vegas, and they recorded the games. Like this, this, this group recorded the games, and I bought them, and I watched them with my dad. And I thought going in that he was going to just compliment me and be like, "Oh, you played so well here." No, we literally watched the game for like three hours. <laughs> he shredded. And he had a clicker, and he shredded every <laughs> single thing I did. Like it was everything. Like out of vision on defense, didn't block out, my didn't run the floor, didn't get in the stance, didn't jump to the ball. So it was. It was harsh, but it got me ready for anything else. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's the best approach? I mean, 11 years old is really, really young. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of kids aren't exposed until 15, 16. Right. I've seen film. For yourself, uh, do you feel like there's a certain uh, approach you've seen uh, coaches, like I, I think on your team is Coach, Camp, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Black. Yeah. That does video with you guys. What's the, um, the best approach for young players and the pros, or is it the same in a video? I scene? think it's the same. You have to be blunt with them because Anybody who will sugarcoat things, will sugarcoat things. Who doesn't really care about you? Um, and you see parents like you have to have tact when you say things, but at the same time, it's like, no. If you want to get better, you have to learn this now, because someone else is doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I'm telling you to get down on you. It's like I'm telling you to you help get you get better. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. Um, to 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 wrap up for um, great win again tonight. Probably should have yeah. started with that. Right. <laughs> um, so for yourself, um, you're about halfway in your in your, in your first your, your rookie year. Yeah. Uh, pros already. Right? Yeah. Time flies. Right. Um, what do you personally want to get better at? What do you want to improve? Just becoming a true condo guard because I can shoot the ball at a high level. But if I can handle the ball and and play the become a dual threat, not so much like just dribble the ball to my shot, but be able to create for others as well. Because I can pass. I'm just not very confident in my ability to dribble right now. So if I can get that. That'll take me to a, a whole nother level. For sure, for sure. Oh, this was great. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Thank really you. Appreciate your time. Yeah. For real. Well, I truly enjoyed that interv your interview with uh, Jordan Matthews of the Yuri Bayhawks. How'd you think of the general vibe talking with him? He was great. Um, I had uh, an inclination, uh, just doing some research, that he was forthcoming and a great discussion, and he was even better than that. Uh, he was. Uh, very thoughtful, I thought, in his answers, and um, I liked a lot of the elements that uh, that he brought up. Uh, I don't know if you want to to go through some of them. Of course, uh, first thing that really jumped out to me was his uh, honesty. Uh, he talked a lot about um, different coaches having impacts 
uh, in his life, uh, whether it was uh, on court, off court, and also like in the interview where uh, his dad was also coached, that was really uh, instrumental to uh, what he has uh, to bring. And then, of course, also uh, the culture stuff is pretty huge too. Um, a lot of the times, guys kind of uh, might sugarcoat it a bit, you know, especially uh, nothing against you, but, you know, you just coming in, first time talking to him and him just opening up to you. I thought that was pretty special. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, you mentioned uh, the team culture uh, that he brought up, uh, specifically at Gonzaga. I think a cliche that's often uh, shot around um, is that teams want to have a family atmosphere and a family culture. And the fact that he brought it up, uh, you know, without being questioned or asked about it, I thought that was pretty telling uh, beyond the usual cliches. I really like uh, how he described his reaction uh, coming in, walking into the stadium of the championship game. Uh, that's pretty special because not everybody gets a chance to go to a final four. And I mean, you know, having Kobe show up, that makes it just like an epic story to me. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, like anytime you have one of the greatest in the game, just come show up to your team meeting, your hotel or whatever. That's pretty cool. And a pair of shoes. Man, we, we must oh, yeah. A pair of shoes. Yep. Well, anytime you get Kobe's, that's pretty cool. Um, Matthews was also uh, one of the top uh, high school prospects back in his class. And looking ahead, what do you kind of see uh, that he should uh, keep improving on? Uh, well, and he mentioned it himself. I, I don't think it's a secret that uh, his uh, handle and his uh, ball handling ability are the thing he must are the things he must work on. Um, he's not necessarily the most dynamic creator in pick and roll situation or off the bounce. Um, having made his mark primarily as a shooter, uh, but if he wants to be effective at the next level, I believe he will have at the very least uh, at the very least will need to develop. A secondary or tertiary uh, playmaking skills. So that's attacking some closeouts uh, on the weak side. Uh, that's um, at, at times maybe in a, a short a roll a situation, being able to uh, dish off maybe to a, a, a big in a, in a trap situation if the opponent uh, wants to use his ball handling against, uh, skills against them as a weakness and try to generate turnovers. His ability to be able to make that pass, uh, you know, out of that double team, uh, is uh, is crucial for his uh, development at the next step. You mentioned uh, shooting as one of his biggest strengths. Uh, some key stats in his senior year was uh, he tied for his seventh best single season in uh, Gonzaga history with 85 three pointers made, and also fourth for most attempted. Um, in terms of shooting, it's definitely pretty. Uh, it's something that's easier to uh, hone when you're going up to the next level. Uh, just seeing him, uh, a tough one of the toughest toughest things was uh, minutes wise, right? In the game that you saw, he only played around like eight minutes, so didn't get um, a huge sample size, especially that game of what he can do. And and just to go along with that, it's right now part of the the G League experiences. 
adapting on the fly from game to game. And Erie has, uh, like we mentioned, uh, a couple of two-way players, a couple of uh, players that were assigned in this game, and all four of those guys shuttle back and forth uh, between Atlanta and Erie at times. And so when they are in uh, the G League, uh, they'll push down some guys down the roster. So, and he he talked about it, you know, staying the course. Uh, he'll have to do that uh, because uh, you know opportunities might come uh, when you he doesn't necessarily expect it or you know out of the blue. And uh, when his playing time uh, increases, that's when he'll have to uh, to seize his uh, opportunities. Of course, uh, he didn't mention anything about uh, the travels from Erie to Atlanta by any chance, right? You know, it's it's almost a 12-hour drive, so I assume it's you're you're most likely flying there. It's not the most close close knit type of uh, G League affiliate, would you say? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. But again, in his case, um, you know, he might not have to do that shuttle um, just you know just yet. Um, I, I, at the very least, I, I would say until the, the G League season is over. Um, so I think, um, like we mentioned about before, his juice off the bounce and ability to finish at the rim as a as a guard, um, as a combo guard that's not necessarily undersized but isn't the biggest at that six uh, six three six four. Um, I think that's uh, the next step in his progression. Okay. Yeah. Uh... Great convo, uh, truly enjoyed it, and uh, I do look forward to uh, seeing his game progress uh, the rest of the season. For sure, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Okay, so that wraps up tonight's episode of the G-Pod. Uh, make sure to check out our latest content on our site. What did we recently uh, put out today, or a couple days ago on our site? Yeah, we, um, first of all, everyone, uh, go to c2cballblog.wordpress.com that's our website you can find all our content uh, at c2c Uh, we wrote a couple of features recently the first one on Cole Long who's a player at the University of Detroit uh, Mercy a uh, Canadian player Canadian forward uh, and uh, talking about his journey uh, to the university and his season so far and then we also talked to a couple of girls on the women's team at that same university uh, Brianne Cohen and Anya Marinkovic, uh, two girls that were uh, raised in Toronto uh, as well. Um, Anya did come over from Serbia and when she was six years old. They did not know each other in Toronto uh, growing up, but uh, bonded over um, south of the border. And so uh, it's a great feature. We have some uh, good anecdotes in there, including some uh, Serbian swearing so- story. So I think uh, you guys should definitely uh, check it out. Yeah, definitely check that out. And also follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at C2C Ball Blog. And on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash C2C Ball Blog. Also, we have a, a big announcement for uh, the G-Pod, as the G-Pod is now available on iTunes. So... Please subscribe to us, give us a rating, and tell us what you think. Yeah, rating, review, comments, feedback, uh, all of it is very appreciated. Uh, we're, we are trying to uh, grow this project, and um, we uh, have some exciting plans for the future. So uh, stay tuned, and um, we're excited for this journey, uh, to take this journey with uh, everyone. 
Awesome stuff. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on the G Pod. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks, guys.